You're listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hello, friends. Today's podcast episode is an interview with my friend, Lindsay Nobles. If you have been impacted by any kind of woman in the current realm of Christian publishing or teaching, I think you'll find that you have been influenced by someone who has been influenced by Lindsay. She is a leader of leaders, and she's been working in all different kind of realms for the last dozen or so years. She is wise, she is generous, she is kind, and you are going to love this interview with my friend Lindsay, who is such a great leader. Gals, we're in for a treat today. We have Lindsay Nobles, who is such a woman of mission, such a woman of purpose, and I just want to say thanks so much. Number one, it's early. You're up early. Like, I'm up a little early. Well, I guess I'm always up early, but I guess I'm not trying to like formulate sentences right. well early very often. Right. Yeah. It's 8 a.m. is not like mind-blowingly early, but to say things, to say real words yes. is... Yeah, to say things that are being recorded can be frightening. Okay. Hey, catch everybody up. Take as long as you need to. You have done a lot of things. I feel like the first time, I, or not the first time, but when I, when I saw you last, I remember saying like, Lindsay, you've done a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of stuff the last 10, 15 years. Tell everybody uh-huh. like where you've been, what you've been up to. I think I usually like feel 28, you know, like in, in my soul, (laughs) like that would be the age that I still sometimes feel. And then when I recount all the different like moves I've made over my life and the different jobs I've had, I feel like every ounce of 42, (laughs) which is how old I am. I grew up in Dallas for college. I moved to Colorado, went to university of Colorado in Boulder. And then after college, I was back in Dallas for a little bit, and then I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and kind of started working in events. I worked for this big music festival. It was so fun. And then worked for Books A Million, Mm -hmm. which is a large retail book chain. And I worked there for about five years, started in events. It was so fun. I would do all their big corporate autographings. They would have like Jane Fonda come in or John McCain or Paula Dean was huge at the time. And so I get to like kind of travel and help facilitate some of those events, which was really fun. But then they moved me into buying. And so I was a buyer for a while there. And then I moved back into marketing and from being at books million, I had a lot of relationships in publishing. I guess in like 2007, probably I moved up to Nashville and started working at Thomas Nelson I did corporate communications for Nelson and I did that for four years and then I left and I really felt like I wanted to work in the social justice space. And so I started working for a social entrepreneurship called project seven that was out in California. And I did that for like a year and I really missed Nashville. And so I moved back and worked for food for the hungry for a few years When I was in Nashville working for Nelson, I had met Jenny Allen 
And we started dreaming together about the if gathering and having conversations about that. So that had been happening behind the scenes for years. We had been working on that together. And then Food for the Hungry was a part of the original sort of launch of If Gathering. They were our first big sponsor when I was working for them. And then after If was sort of becoming a thing, I realized I was needed there. And so I moved there and worked with them for three years as their COO in Austin. And then I guess like a year and a half ago, I realized it was time for me to do something different. And so I resigned from IF and kind of went on this journey trying to figure out what was next. And I landed at a place called Onsite. I moved back to Nashville, work at Onsite. We do personal growth and therapeutic workshops, and then we have a residential trauma treatment center. And so it's been so fun learning sort of a whole new space yeah. and language. And I think that mental health is so important. And so I have loved learning about the effects of trauma on all of us. And yeah. it's been great. So here's what I'm like taking away from that, which I, I know a little bit about onsite and I want you to share more, but when I hear all that, there are two things that I hear. Number one <laughs> Onsite feels like a big deep breath. That's a lot of like, not, I, I hate the word hustle because it gets such like a bad, you know, it has bad connotations, but that's a lot of like pumping and running. Does this feel like a change of pace where you're at now? I think I always gravitate towards catalytic people yeah. and want to be a part, like I really care about life change. Yeah. It does feel like a deep breath in the sense of I really, part of leaving if was like needing to step out of ministry. I think that like when your faith and your friendships and your community, like, and your church and kind of all those things are so tangled up together that sometimes at least I needed to go through the process of kind of untangling to understand what was what in my life. Yeah. So I think for me, the ability to still be a part of major life change for people yeah. and to find a place where I could pursue that and feel the purpose that I need to motivate me in a job. I feel so grateful for that. And I, I think that what I've seen for me, that it's just given me a lot more freedom and energy to be even bring out the fullness of my faith. Like I think that I thought that sort of stepping out, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm I might just really thinking where we're going. Yeah. Okay. I think that for a long time, I think a lot of us probably believe this lie that we have to be like working like our work, what we get paid for has to be in pursuit of God. And yeah. I think that everyone's work is, is in pursuit of God. And so for me, I actually felt really constrained to not be able to continue to grow and evolve and explore my faith the way that I needed to when I was sort of working in that space. I, I just feel a new freedom working outside of that space to be able to pursue God and talk about God and use all the language I want. And, you know, like yeah. that there's more room for the evolution of and growing of my faith. Yeah. Okay. I, I love all of this. First of all, what, what's your Enneagram number? It took me forever to figure it out. I am a three with a four wing. Okay. 
I really did not identify with threes at all. And the thing that I realized is that I'm the self-preservation three, which is the counter type. Yeah. And so instead of like pursuing fame or popularity, I am more pursue that everyone thinks that I'm good. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they look like ones and sixes. So those were numbers that I'd both gravitated towards and wondered like, am I one? When I finally figured it out, I like all clicked. Yeah. (laughs) As you were talking, I was like, first of all, I've never, I don't know that I've ever talked to another woman who has said out loud what you just said, which is something that I feel a lot that whatever I'm doing, I'm very drawn towards life change. And so I've just started to like explore this a lot inside my own head and thought, you know, how would it be if I was a trash collector? Like if I was a garbage person, would I be able to like pursue mission the same way I do? What I've decided is I think that whatever job I'd be doing, I would decide that it was wildly important for life change. Yeah. So if I happen to be a barista, if that was like my particular skill set, I think every morning I would think like, I am, this is a really important job because I am changing people's lives by giving them their coffee. Or if I was a trash collector, I think I'd be like the most passionate trash collector. And I'd say like the whole world depends. I mean, and when I start thinking about it, I can pull the thread so quickly. I'm like, the whole world depends on the trash getting picked up. You can't keep going if the trash is just piling up. This is wildly important. I think I'd become like really, really even more passionate about recycling. And I've just started to think about all these different, like whatever I was working in, I would really want to find and continue increasing the amount of life change that was happening around me. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite jobs was like right after college, I I graduated from college a year early, which just sort of thrust me into the world, not knowing like what in the world I was going to do. And I didn't feel ready for it. And so I was waiting tables for like a season longer than my parents were happy with. (laughs) They were like, we just helped you like with your college and like, what are you going to go do with it? But I loved it. And I think it was just that human interaction that can totally fire me up too. And so I think what you're saying is true that I think life change happens in relationships. And so if there's a way that you can be with people, then you can be changing lives. Mm, Yep. That is like a refrain in my head a lot. And I, and I'm, it's interesting. I'm just noticing it in the last few years. And so, I mean, not, not not noticing it. I think I'm just paying attention to this refrain going on in my head all the time of like, we get to change the world. We get to change the world. It's like what I wake up with. And so the reason why I asked about your Enneagram is because I relate that a lot to my Enneagram number being an eight. Um, And so when I was listening to you, I was like, but if I had to guess, I would have guessed you were a four. Oh, it's funny. I, and four, I've just like, am owning my fourness. Yeah. It's just, it's new to me, the four owning the four wing, but I definitely think it's really strong in how I do things. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. The other thing I want to like capture out of that. I, I told you before we started recording that I just happened to go on a walk with a college student this morning. We live in a college town and. So I spent a lot of time with college age girls and was walking with a gal this morning who was talking about what she was going to do after school. And I'm just constantly also reminded because of the women I'm around that there's this desire to figure out what you're going to do and this, you know, pressure to figure out what you're going to do. 
And I have lost so much of that because I love what I'm doing right now, but I certainly don't think I'll be doing it in 10 years in the same capacity or style that I'm doing it now. And I, I just find so much freedom in your story too. Like, does that feel freeing to you that you've gotten to work in so many different areas? What's that like? Yeah, I've loved it. It's just been cool to watch learnings from past experiences like pop up in what I'm doing now. And I've kind of thought my life would be more of like a straight line journey. And what I've seen it be is sort of a zigzag and lots of running after things and then having to recalibrate and reset and needing different things at different times. And I think that it feels full when I think about all the things I've gotten to do and that it's just been cool to see sort of even though they don't linearly build on one another that I can use all that experience and what I'm doing now yeah okay so answer this what does mission look like right now in this season what does it look like for you to be on mission what does that mean Well, I think that I've been in a season, we talked about this, we were together for a little bit in the fall. I think when I stepped out of ministry in some ways, I kind of was feeling like I had taken myself out of a game, you know, like, oh, like I don't maybe matter as much in that world. And I I think I sort of put some of that on a shelf for a while. And I think now that I've been at onsite for a year and been back in Nashville for a year and a half that like, I really see this year as we begin it as a season of like refinement and wanting to be really intentional in the relationships around me. I decided at the beginning of the year that I was going to take a six week break from social media. So I took all the apps off my phone and I'll play like this candy crush like game. Sometimes when I'm watching television, I took that off and I cleaned out my closet on January 1st and got rid of like seven bags of crud Mm. that were just like excess and stuff that was probably giving me like ambient anxiety. I think that it's sort of feels like really refining and kind of pruning and cutting back. I think I have this really deep desire to know what is real and what is good in my life and in the world. And so the things that were muddling that I just am trying to be like, have more clarity. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the journey I'm in the mission that I'm pursuing. I mean, Obviously, I have lots of fun relationships here. One of the things I love about being in Nashville is as a single woman in my early 40s, it's really been a refreshing community for me because I have a lot of friends that are married that have kids and are in all different stages of life that really invite me in well. And so life feels full relationally and I love being able to pour into my friends and their kids and work is full and crazy and trying to get replanted in a new church. And so yeah, Yeah. all those things. I love it. Okay. I'm going to say some things now that I hope, I think I said to you in September and I'm going to say it again. And I want women to hear this because I think it's important for us all to hear, but I told you, and I genuinely firmly believe this, that I talked to so many people, so many people in this world of authors, speakers, online leaders, who are so incredibly impacted by you. And not only because of what you've done in the past and like made spaces for them and spoken into them and called them up into leadership, but also because of how 
you you are genuinely leading so against the grain in with and I mean that just like oh. with the path of the world like hurtling forward you know not even that you're going against people but just against the grain of like so quick so fast so this so that so like even self-promotion when we got to spend time together in New York I mean I just I have like extremely redolent memories of walking on the pavement and hearing you say things about self-promotion that just implanted in my heart in the best way and called me up. And so I, it's interesting that you even unpack that about being a three wing four who is counter personal achievement, because that's so lived out in the way that you're just impacting so many people. And, and I only see a the tiniest sliver of it from just talking to people who are so inspired and spurred on by your depth and your pace and your intentionality. And so it's beautiful that mission right now in this season looks like cultivating that for you. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. I feel the same way about you. I think it's like one of those things that I just can have a tendency to drift into things that don't fill me the way that I want to be filled. And so I just am trying to build the life I want. Yeah. And I think like one of the things like being off social media for like I'm a weekend. I was telling a friend that like I realized that there is this loneliness that I feel. I think part of it singleness. I think part of it is everyone is feeling that way right now. But I think that instead of acknowledging it and trying to do things that would actually like feed it in a healthy way, I was just scrolling through Instagram and it was probably leaving me with other feelings of either jealousy or of like needing to achieve more, not feeling like I wasn't enough, but like, I think that it's been really good, even a weekend to be able to say, Oh, but the thing that's under that is really like loneliness. And why am I lonely when I have so many people around? What am I doing wrong in my life that I have tons of friends and you know, like how do I recalibrate that in a way that I'm working towards it in a way that would actually help it, you know? Yeah. Okay. Let's pause there. <laughs> I want to ask some questions because I, I think about this a lot. No, I'm really blessed. Would you be willing to say an example of something that makes you feel lonely? And I'll say one too, because I've been watching this in my heart. And then would you say an example of what eases that loneliness? Something that, you know, you should do that would, you know, comfort or bring peace where there is loneliness. I think I can feel lonely when I am home and I like want to do something with someone, but I don't really have the motivation to call someone to go do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you just want someone to be there and to know what you want and need to do and to be there doing it with you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think I also sometimes feel lonely in a group of people I think what I realize about both is that there are things I have control over. Sometimes I'll like feel lonely when I'm like out at dinner with girls and I'm not showing up in a way either because I'm feeling self-protective with the people that are around, like a need to be self-protective or I'm just feeling guarded or I have some other narrative happening in my story where I'm not fully showing up. So I'm not feeling fully known. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And what's something that would bring comfort? to loneliness or that has for me being in nature Mm. is one thing whether it's like being on a hike with a friend or even being like a a couple weeks ago I went to Colorado with my parents and so I skied by myself and 
it's so funny. I, I, skiing is like one of those activities that I love to do by myself. I love the nature and the fullness and I just feel like God in the mountains and I just feel really strong even being alone in that. Yeah. And so I think that doing things like that for me also are really bolstering. It's funny because I'm alone except with God. Right. But that there's something about doing things like that where I feel really strong and independent and connected to myself and to God that remove it for me too. I am currently listening to Sacred Rhythms. Have you read that book? No, but I've heard so many people talk about it. I need to read it. Yeah. I've, anytime I mention I read it, either someone's like, I've been meaning to read that or I, I've already read it. It was life changing. And there is a chapter on solitude. And I recently listened to it while I, I'm listening to the audiobook, and I listened to it while while Christmas shopping at Target early, early one morning, I had to, it was the only time I had to get out at like 8am and get my kids a few things. And I put my ear pods in and just quietly cried walking around <laughs> Target listening to this chapter on solitude. And she shared a ton about loneliness and solitude. And her basic theory is that being around people makes us lonely mm. and that being with God is what meets it. And it's interesting. I'm an extreme introvert, I would say, who loves people. And I live in an extremely extroverted life. So to the point where I even have to a lot of times evaluate, like, do I, am I an introvert? Because I do thrive in this very extroverted life. I'm with people most days from 6 a.m. until, you know, my kids go to bed at 9. And so... I sometimes I'm like, am I really an introvert? And then I remember like, no, in my truest sense, I get energy from being alone. And that's where I'm recreated, remade into who God made me to be. So I've just been evaluating feelings of loneliness in my life and trying to capture them and notice them because I wouldn't say off the bat that I feel lonely a lot because I'm with people so much. Right. So I'm just trying to notice, like, do I feel lonely? And I wanted to tell you something that made me feel lonely and how I responded to it. Yeah. Because you are aware of it. The last time we were together, you're really good friends with Carlos and Heather Whitaker. And I told you that I have a huge, like, internet appreciation for them. There's people you like online, and then there's people that you're like, I, I like, love them. Like, I carry them <laughs> in my heart to God because of the internet. I just really appreciate them. I don't know Heather at all. Yeah. You know, you can't follow her. She's private. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a man, I want to. And if you guys don't follow Carlos Whitaker, he is not private. You can follow him. You absolutely should follow him and read his most recent book. It was really shifting and talks about on-site, which we need yeah. to talk about in a second. But he posted the other day, I don't know if you were already offline, but you probably heard about it in person, about the experience they had the other night at their church. Oh, no, I haven't heard about it. Okay, well. So disconnected from the world. It's so hilarious. I don't even know what I'm missing. Internet. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll tell you about it. And so you don't have to break your internet. And you can go get the real deal story from your friends. But essentially, just they got, like, called up in the middle of worship by their pastors, by name, to, like, come up and be prayed over. And I saw it. And I'm a big I'm a big liker on Instagram, let me say this. So a lot of people just scroll and look, but I appreciate the value of really like 
liking people's things. So I like a lot of posts. I don't like read and not like. If I see it, I'm going to like it. And I noticed very quickly in my heart, almost in the back of my mind, that I did not like the picture. And I just kept scrolling. And about an hour later, my husband, who also has a deep appreciation for Carlos and Heather from the internet, texted me and he said, did you see Carlos's post? That was so beautiful. And I said, yeah, I did. It was beautiful. <laughs> and I went back <laughs> and looked at it and I was like, I'm jealous. I'm lonely. Mm. I want someone to call me up like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I want that. And, you know, we're, we're the leaders in our church. We're the pastors. There's very few moments where that happens. And I'm genuinely just quietly crying right now in my podcast closet. But I was reminded that this year I sat down and I just wrote down all of these moments where I'd just seen God or experienced God this year. And one of them was being in New York with you and a few other friends who just prayed for us. And mm. it was actually the moment that made me start making the list because I felt really just prompted by God to not call 2018 a hard year and a bad year. And I saw you in New York and that was the first time you and I really had extended time together in the middle of just a really heartbreaking season for us, just really, really like bottom of the barrel. And the first night we were there, <laughs> just like, I don't know what happened, but my recollection is that I ended like crumpled on the floor crying with a bunch of new-ish friends praying for us. And you were one of them. And I felt very not alone. Yeah. Um, and I felt, It was awesome. Yeah. I felt very comforted. And so I just had to remind myself like, that, this does happen for you. And what's more, when my husband texted me that, I went and liked <laughs> and commented on it and just like affirmed like right I'm glad you had that I'm happy for you I am happy for you and then I texted my husband back and I said I'm so glad we get to do that for people I'm yeah. so glad and that made me feel less lonely to remember like this is what we get to do this is what we get to do yeah so um that was it's amazing that was tender thanks for going there to break right here for a second and I wanted to share something quickly with you. A theme for me this year, I sense God taking me back to Psalm 18 and this idea that he has brought me out to a spacious place and I want to live under the belief that he's brought me out to a spacious place. One thing I love about our partnership with West Rock Coffee is that they want to provide a spacious place for their coffee growers. They want them to feel encouraged. They want them to feel equipped. They want them to be given the tools they need to live abundantly and also to do their jobs unto the glory of God and change the world while they're at it. West Rock Coffee believes in people and not just the drive to survive, but to live with dignity and to achieve greatness and to experience abundance right where they are. You've heard me talk about West Rock, how I love how they partner with individual farmers and what they're doing in the world. But I just wanted to put that on the table today that I think part of living a spacious life for me, part of living a life where I believe God can move and can do things and can grow and can shift me is partnering with companies where I see the leaders of those companies doing the same thing and not just for themselves, but for their employees and for their customers as well. That's why I love West Rock because they are about abundance. They are about providing great opportunities and they are down to change the world one cup of coffee at a time. 
You can get West Rock Coffee on my favorite place, Amazon.com. Tell us about OnSite. <laughs> <laughs> After I resigned from IF, I knew I was really kind of burnt out and depleted leaving. And I'd had several friends that nudged me and were like, you should go to onsite. This is an opportunity for you. You don't have a job lined up yet. You've got some time. And I sort of was like resistant. And it was something I'd always loved hearing people process their experience at one of the onsite workshops. And every time I listened to someone talk about going, I felt so curious and so terrified and so certain that it was something I never wanted to do myself. You know, like I wanted to be someone that was brave enough that would go and do that, but I just didn't feel that way. So I would say over the next couple of months, it literally kept coming up to a point where what I realized is my, my grief in leaving, I didn't know what to do with it. And I needed someone to help guide me through it and figure out how to do a better job of like processing my feelings. I'd never been like a huge counseling advocate either. I'd gone several times when I'd gotten stuck in different places in life and relationally. And I am just not a verbal processor. I am very filtered. I probably don't even know what I'm feeling some of the times. So it had always kind of felt draining. The idea of sitting down for an hour and sort of delving into a question and answer about my feelings, I just felt like I was a failure at that. In her onside, I end up, it was so in my face, I couldn't kind of not go after a few months after I left if... It just was like the best thing for me. I think the way that I've talked about it that makes the most sense to me is that it felt like I kind of had this wound that was oozing that people would say like, oh, I can see that you're oozing. And I, it was the first time in my life I hadn't been able to like control or mask any woundedness. So that made me really uncomfortable that people could see my feelings in that way and where I was. Yeah. What I felt like onsite did was just help excavate the wound and bind it up properly. So it's not like that it didn't exist. It just helped it heal in a healthy way. Yeah. Because it wasn't healing in a healthy way. Yeah. All that to say, I did our living center program. I loved it. I told Miles a couple of months later, like I would clean up barns if they needed me to. I wanted to work there so bad. So now it's really fun that I get to lead our marketing and business development team and sort of be on the other side of it. I love it. Well, Onsite is in my view for 2020. My prayer was that I get to go for for a week there and that um, my husband would get to go as well. And I'm just so thankful. Everyone I know says the work is life-changing. It's just life-changing. So you're doing it. (laughs) You're doing like life-changing, catalytic, amazing, incredible, incredible work. And we're so thankful. Yeah. Miles says a lot that, you know, no one needs it, but we all deserve it. And I think it's so true, just the opportunity to disconnect and come for 
four to seven days, our workshops like vary in length and really do kind of a deep dive on yourself and an inventory and like get reconnected to who God made you and who you want to be and sort of reignite the purpose in your life. And even for me, the community of people that I did Living Centered with, I learned grace from in a way that I had never felt it in like a church. And so it really even helped reframe some of that for me of like, it truly is a place where people kind of show up and dive into their brokenness and work on sort of mending it in a way that is so inspiring and courageous. So I love that. I love that. Okay. I'm not going to ask you our silly questions to end because I just feel like this has been too good. I don't want to end on a silly note, but Will you end like this? Will you tell me if you had been listening to a podcast maybe five or six years ago, what would have really blessed you to hear? What do you wish you would have heard and like taken to heart in the season, in in a past season on mission? So I have a friend here in Nashville that's an artist and he's got this series of paintings that he's done. And I recently was at the Porter Flea Market at their holiday market where he was showcasing some of his art and it's all these messages from God. And I bought two of them. So I think those are the two things that really just I deeply like always need to hear in my soul. And one is you're exactly where you need to be. Mm. And that's from God. Mm. And you're not who everyone says you are. Mm. Also from God. And just a reminder to be present where I am and not striving to be somewhere else. And a sense that my identity is shaped by God and not by other people. Those sort of messages, I think I'll need to hear from my whole life, five years ago and in five years and for the rest of my lifetime. So good. All right. Hey, friends, will y'all stop and pray for Lindsay and just thank God for her. Thank him for her leadership and her wisdom and her vision. And would you just pray for these six weeks where she's drawing nearer to him? Would you pray for health and for life and for abundance and rest for her? Yeah. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for just taking the time and being honest and giving us a little bit of what's happening right now. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Always good to catch up. Yes.